Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. Uh, 2023, um, each year is our senior pastors come up with a, a, a global theme, uh, an overarching theme for the year that you and I can walk into, that we can have faith for, that we believe for. And that this year, it's just a couple of words. It's up and out. And I, I love the concept of this, is that the vision is saying to us, this year, above anything else, would we first look up? Would we look up and see the brilliance and the magnificence, the splendor of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of heaven and earth? Is that that would be the first place we look? And after looking up, we can't but then look out. Is it verticalized, create missionalized? Is that when you and I look up, is the humanity will always be in our focus because God's heart is for his humanity, his creation. His desire is that all would be saved. And so I love that in 2023 that we can look up above anything else. Whatever's happening on this sea level on earth is we can look up and see the goodness of God. And then we have a responsibility to go out in the world around about us. The, the title of my message, if you'd like a title today, is looking up in a look down generation. Is that our generation, I'm including this generation, we are called the look down generation is that we all walk around with these devices in our hands, in our pockets that seem to rule and dictate every part of our life. Is if this thing beeps at me, or is there's a vibration or a noise, I, I, I'm gonna look at it. I, I'm gonna almost look, like it, look at it immediately. And we, we have found ourselves in this look down generation. And if our eyes are continually looking down is we miss so much. We miss the engagement with the most important relationships in our world, and we miss the engagement at times with the most important relationship with God Almighty. Is that the end of every week, you may be the same, I get a notification of how much screen time my average daily viewing on this is. And I, I'm like horrified, I start arguing with it. Like, there's no way. <laughs> There's no way I spent two hours, 57 minutes on average last year looking at this thing, last week looking at this. I, I'm like, that did not happen. I, you know, I can't, I can't argue with the facts. Yeah. And I'm challenged at times. I wonder if I just spent half of that two hours and 57 minutes a day in engagement with the most important relationships in my world. I wonder. But it just seems to dictate our lives. And as we are now called this look down generation, is that we miss so much of what is going on around about us. And so this morning, if you've got your phone out, if you're taking notes, it's all good. Pastor Chosen's got his phone out. He's, he's ready to go there. But I want you to realize this week how much of your time is engaged with this screen. I would much rather a lot of my times be engaged with the people on this screen. And I can look down every time and, I, oh, look, it is a, it's my family. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I should introduce myself to them this week. You know, it's like. <laughs> but we were looked out, look, we're looking down and God's saying, hey, would you literally look up? There's one thing I know about the look down generation is that we all know the destination, yeah. 
but we can so easily miss the journey. Is I know, I don't want to be one of those believers that knows the destination, knows that my destination is with God and eternity with Him, but actually miss my part in the journey. The responsibility that I have in the journey is we can know the destination, but miss out on the journey. But I found the journey is the fun part. The journey is the exciting part. The journey is full of challenges. The journey shapes us and changes us. The journey gives you and I the ability to impact lives around about us. But so often we can so focus on the destination but actually miss the steps in the journey. I'm reminded when I was teaching my kids to learn how to drive. It was full of great experiences and harrowing experiences. (laughs) It was just like this massive pendulum swings at different times. There were times where I literally saw my life flash before my eyes. And my kids would simply say, just chill out, Dad. I'm like, I'll give you something to chill out. Like, <laughs> literally killed, almost killed me. I know that with my kids, as they picked up the technical aspects of driving really easily, they, they, they found it okay. But one thing they could not do is they could not work out their way back home. It was like I literally had to put breadcrumbs on the road for them to be able to navigate from the school they've gone to for 11 years back to a house they lived in for nine years. That they had no idea, they knew the destination that we lived in Wynnum, but they could not do the journey from a school they'd been in 11 years to back home as they had an idea, but they knew the destination, but they had no idea of doing the journey. And it can be so often for your life and for my life, we can know the end destination but we can actually miss out on the journey because we're simply looking down. As my kids looked down every day when they, were in, when they were going to school on that journey, did not know the route that we took every day. Like seriously, they missed the best part of the journey. I think one of the greatest things that God has given to us and gifted to us is vision. Vision is simply this, the faculty of being able to see. The act or anticipating that which may or may not come to be, is that God has given you and I the ability to see, and not just on a natural dimension, but also on a spiritual dimension. As I look through the, the New Testament, is that Jesus came, he stood foot on the planet, and he did miracles. Is that signs and wonders followed him, and the same promises over our lives today, is that signs and wonders would follow our lives as well. So look at the physical miracles that Jesus did. There are 25 physical miracles that take place through the Gospels. And as I look at these individual 25 miracles, is that on more occasions than any other miracle Jesus did, is that he came and opened blind eyes. He opened six sets of blind eyes on four different occasions in the Gospels, is that Jesus came to open blind eyes, both on a natural level and a spiritual level. We go into the Old Testament, is miracles took place as well. There were ones where leprosy was healed and barren wombs were made opened and disturbed minds were healed and the dead were brought back to life, but there is not one physical miracle of blind eyes being opened in the Old Testament. Is that this was the work of the Messiah. Isaiah says in verse, in book uh, 35, chapter 42 is that Messiah would come and he would open the blind eyes of humanity it was the work of the Messiah so when as soon as the Messiah started to open blind eyes is the Hebrew people knew this was a prophecy of what he would actually do and for our lives and as I've been preparing this message I have prayed that God would come and he would open our eyes to see 
clearly again, not, not just on a natural level, but on a supernatural level. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 says these words, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. My phone just started to message. I just want to see who this is. From Mike Corbazan, he's just saying to me, you're a champion. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well done, Bell. Go back. No, it won't do. But how quickly, it's like it's buzzing there, and I'm like, I'm looking, I'm looking down at that. I'm, like, I'm going to stop my middle preach right there just to see what Bazan's got to say to me. Like, you know, how often is that you and I? Is like, no, no, come, stop. Stop being engaged with the things that are peripheral in nature. This verse is saying, hey, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It is that we can view life through two different lenses. We can view life through a temporary lens or an eternal lens. To through a physical lens or through a spiritual lens, through a natural lens or through a supernatural lens. It, is I have found out that we are more than just temporal beings. We are eternal beings because God has placed eternity inside of our hearts. It is, we are more than just natural beings. We are spiritual beings. We, we are more than just physical beings. We are spiritual beings. But how, how often do we put more focus and more importance on the temporary, on the physical, on the natural, rather than looking into a place of eternity, into the supernatural and into the spiritual realm that God has made available to us? This verse is saying, is that the seen things have an expiration date attached to them. And the world in which we live bombards you and I with seen things is we have seen things in our relationships and seen things in our health and our finances in that report and the doctor's report and the bill that comes in the mail, is the seeing things cause you and I to be overwhelmed and say it's impossible. And Jesus simply saying, no, 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 no. Would you, would you take your eyes just off the seen things and now look into the unseen realm? Is that I found that all of our journeys in the kingdom of God are very similar in nature. It is the kingdom of God for all of us initially begins in the invisible realm. And as we journey with God, the invisible kingdom now starts to become visible. As we walk by faith, things which were once invisible, as we journey in a place of faith, now become visible. It is the hopes in our hearts way back here, which are just invisible, as we walk in that place of faith and confidence in God, now start to become visible around about us. Is everything in the kingdom of God begins with a seed in the invisible realm and ends up in a harvest? Is that Jesus steps foot on the planet and he makes the invisible God visible? Makes the invisible principles of the kingdom of heaven and makes it come alive to you and to me. 1 Kings chapter 6. It's a great passage here in this chapter. Is the background here is that the nation of Israel is now in conflict and a battle uh, with the Syrian army. And we have here uh, Elisha and a servant, and they see different visions of what the conflict is looking like. And verse 14, it says these words, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and, horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
It's like the most overwhelming situation. It's an impossible situation the servant sees. And so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. That you and I would pray, God, would you open my eyes that I might see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. An amazing passage of scripture. And this morning, I am praying that God, you would open our eyes that we would see. And I want us to see this today is the the circumstance did not change for the servant. There was still the opposing army against them. There were still horses and chariots surrounding them. But the object of the vision changed. And it's not that God can't change the circumstance. He's a miraculous working God. Is that God can change circumstances. But the miracle here... And the miracle for us is that we can fix our eyes on Jesus. We, the object of our vision now becomes him in spite of the circumstance that you and I are going through, in spite of what's surrounding us at this time. And, and today, I, my, my prayer is that God, that you're not just going to change the circumstance, you're going to change the object of my vision. Right. Is that I, I'm going to now see that you are for me, that you, you have a great vast army that's even greater than what I'm seeing with my natural eyes. Is that, yes, there are horses and chariots, but I also see the fire that comes with you and being in, in relationship with you. Would you and I just change the object of our vision. Would we look up and see the majesty, the glory of God? Is that God is for us. And here you may think everything is against you and it may be looking like that, but God is for you. Is the armies of heaven are for you today. Would you and I look up before we look anywhere else? Let me give you just seven quick thoughts about vision. I haven't got time to go into all of it. You can look down right now, grab your phone. Seven quick thoughts. You can watch it during the week. Number one, in all circumstances, would you and I see God? Number two, vision is seeing what is invisible to everybody else. Number three, we must allow the invisible to become visible. Number four, our victory comes through seeing the unseen realm. Number five, don't fix our eyes on the seen realm. Fix our eyes on the unseen realm. Number six, the temporary does not swallow up eternity. Eternity will always swallow up the temporary. And number seven, you and I, we just need to shift our eyes. For the remainder of this message, uh, I'm going to camp around a passage of Scripture found in Isaiah chapter 6. Reading from verse 1, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood, stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the whole house was filled with smoke. Wow, what a, what a vision. Is that here in this passage of scripture, Isaiah looks in three different directions. And it's a challenge for you and I as to which direction we're going to look at. 
And the first direction he looks, he says, he, he looks up. He looks up and he sees the Lord sitting on a throne. It, it was a time of uncertainty. It was a chaotic time. It was a time of transition for the nation of Judah. Is the king Uzziah has died. Now what is going to happen to the individuals of the nation of Judah, what's going to happen to the nation of Judah is that King Uzziah, he was a godly king. He reigned on the throne for 52 years. That's a long time. As the nation was prosperous, it was fruitful under his reign and his leadership, and now he has died, and now the nation is in a place of uncertainty as to what the future actually looks like. And I don't know the situation of your life today, you may be in a transition time. You may be in a chaotic time. You, you may be in a time of uncertainty. I, I pray that no matter where you are located today, that your eyes would just look up. And here Isaiah, no doubt, is looking for answers. He may be discouraged as to what the, the future is and how is this nation of Judah where he finds himself in going to continue to have their eyes fixed on God. I found this through my years with God is that when you and I are down... God is always up. Is when mankind is at his worst, is that God is at his very, very best. And here Isaiah, he looks up and he sees the magnificence, he sees the splendor of God. Now, no matter what's taking place in your life today, this year, 2023, would you simply look up? The most important look is the upward look. And Isaiah, he looks up and he sees the glory of the kingdom of God. He, he sees the Lord sitting on a throne. Wow. As the king had died, but God was alive. That the throne of Judah was vacant, but the throne of heaven is always occupied. It, it's a throne of glory to which you and I come before and we worship day in, day out. It's a throne of government to which you and I are subject to. It's a throne of grace that the writer says, would you come boldly into that throne room of grace? Would you and I look up and see the splendor and the magnificence of God? Not only does he see the Lord sitting on a throne, he now sees the train of his robe that fills the very temple. Would you, would you and I just make every available space of our lives available for God this year? He desires to fill every part. And Isaiah sees that the train of his robe just fills the temple. And then he gets a, a snapshot of the angels just declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Wow. He sees angelic beings just worshipping, just worshipping him. And then he hears a voice. And this voice shakes the, the doorposts of the house. It's the, the most secure place of houses. It went place of cyclones and that. They say, you know, just go and put yourselves under the doorpost there. It's the most secure place. But here the voice of God shakes the most secure areas there. Is what you and I would look up, the most important look this year, is to look up to see the fullness and the glory of God. Isaiah 40 and verse 26 says these words, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all of these. Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Would you look up this year? Hebrews 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
The psalmist cried out in Psalm 121. He said, I I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. And he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Is it David asks a question and then comes and answers his own question? (laughs) I find the older I get, the more I'm like that. I ask a question, I answer it myself. And here David's in this position. I wonder where my help's going to come from. Is the help going to come from over the hills? Or am I going to lift up my eyes and see the glory of God coming? As a look down generation would say, you know what, I'm just looking to the hills. I'm looking for a human solution, human intervention. And David saying, no, no, I'm not going to trust my five senses to see what's coming over the horizon. I'm going to put my trust and my confidence in God. This year, above anything else, would you look upwards and see just the greatness of God. If I was Isaiah at this time, I'd be like, I'm, I'm the man. I'm the man. The king's dead and God just given me this vision. I've seen him on a throne. I've seen angels sing and I've heard his voice that's shaken the most secure area. I'd say, man, I'm the man. I'm blessed. I'm highly fired of God. If I was Isaiah, but that's not Isaiah's response to when he sees just the splendor of heaven. Verse 5, Isaiah says these words. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. As Isaiah looks up and he sees just the splendor of God. And then he next looks and he says, because I've seen the splendor of God, it will cause me to look in. And he looks internally in his life. And he sees a gap. Whenever you and I experience the fullness and the greatness and the glory of God, it should always cause us to have a honest assessment, look inside of our lives and just take stock of where we are currently situated, where God desires us to be. And in this moment, as Isaiah looks inside and this, through this honest assessment, he says, I see a gap in my life between my present reality and where I need to be and where God needs me to be. And I would pray that this week is that we would have an honest assessment of our lives. Just to take an audit at the beginning of a year and to see where our present reality is and see this year, well, what are things that God's desiring me to look like at the end of the year? And through having an honest assessment there, it's not now devising a self-help program and plan. It's not just getting the, the best book that you've heard. All those things are, are valuable and important. Would, would you invite God into the gap? Would you invite Holy Spirit into that gap? as you're taking this assessment of your life. And here Isaiah sees a gap and says, I, I, need a, I need God's intervention in my life. And it was an external intervention. It was a cleansing externally. But for you and I, as God wants to cleanse us internally in this place of a, a gap of where I desire to be and where God desires my life to also be. And Jesus says these words in the book of John. Chapter 16, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Here, Jesus gives us the work of the Holy Spirit, a snapshot of the work. And it says that Holy Spirit will come and he'll convict us of three things. Notice he doesn't condemn us. His work is not a condemning work. His work is a convicting work. And he'll convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Before you and I came to know Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives was to convict us of sin. That there was a gap, there was a shortfall. Is that the wages of sin is death. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit that illuminates to you and I that we are separate from God, is that we are born into sin and our behavior is sin. And therefore we, are no, we cannot have relationship with God. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit initially to come and convict us of that area of sin. That we are eternally separated from God. He, he, the Word of God says that we didn't find Him, is that He found us. So that, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And maybe he, you're here today, you've, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And, and I pray that Holy Spirit would do His work here in your life. But once you and I surrender our hearts to God, once we are born again, is the role of the Holy Spirit for us then is that He no longer convicts us of sin. It, is, it would be wrong. It would not, be, would not give the full weight to what Jesus accomplished on the cross if the Holy Spirit continually came back to us and convicted us of areas of sin in our life. No, he goes on to the next stage of his work where he convicts you and I of righteous living. Is that wherever that gap may be in our lives right now is that God's no longer declaring you and I as sinners over 60 times in the New Testament. He declares that you and I are saints. And so it's through the lens of God when you come into a relationship with Him, you're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. And the work of the Holy Spirit now is, is to bring a righteous standard of living around about your life. So where there is this gap between our present reality to where God desires us to be, the work of the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of righteousness. No longer that sin, I love that work, is that God has declared you and I righteous. We are righteous right now. We are being sanctified. We've been justified, just as though we've never sinned, but the work of sanctification is immediate and also progressive. And through being sanctified, is that every step you and I take on this journey towards the destination, <laughs> is that God saying, hey, I'm producing a righteous standard in your life. And where that gap has been, and we all have a gap, whether it's a gap that's filled of anxiety, full of fear, full of ha habitual habit patterns in our life, well, whatever that gap looks like, the Holy Spirit just comes day after day and says, I'm not bringing judgment upon your life. I'm not condemning you. Would you just raise to a righteous standard? Would you invite God into the gap? And Isaiah looks up and sees the magnificence, the splendor of God. He looks inside and says, God, I need change. This year, would you come and would you bring change around about my life? 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in faith, in spirit, in purity. Till I come again, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 
And do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. And meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Not that Pastor Carolina's progress will be evident to all. No, 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 that my progress will be evident to all. I encourage you, I haven't got time to unpack that, but this verse is saying, would you be an example? Would you give attention? Would you not neglect these areas of your life? Would you meditate on these things? And through doing those things, your progress is going to be so evident to all around it. When you look up this year, would you allow the Spirit of God to look inside? Would you invite Holy Spirit into that area and say, God, I need change? After Isaiah looks in, is the third direction he looks, he now starts to look out. Is that God has graced you and I to carry his presence into a lost and broken and dying world. Is that you and I, we are carriers of salvation and carriers of redemption and carriers of his healing power of his joy and of his peace, his gentleness, his kindness. We, we are carriers of that. And this year of looking up and looking out is that humanity has always got to be in our view. And this passage in Isaiah continues on. In verse 8 it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. In verse 11, and then I said, Lord, for how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. As he looks up and sees the glory of God, he looks in and sees a gap and says, God, would you work on the gap in my life? And now after that work, he looks out and he sees humanity. And there are three things that Isaiah does in this verse that sets him up to go out is the first thing that he does is that he becomes attentive to God. Up to this point in time is Isaiah has not heard the voice of God speaking directly to him. Is that God has just displayed his magnificence. He's heard the voice of God that's shaken the doorposts, but he hasn't heard the voice of God personally for his life. This year, would you make time to hear the voice of God for your life? Would you be attentive to his voice and not not and it's not just a voice of direction is that God's voice is not just merely just a GPS for us although it is that for us but it's so many other things it's a still quiet voice it's a it's a hammer that would brock, break rocks into pieces it, it's a sound of trumpets a sound of rushing waterfalls is a, a, a diverse diversity to the voice of God would you and I be attentive to the voice of God a time where you're walking through Coles or Woolies this year, aisle number nine. And you just hear the voice of God. There's that person that's walking towards you. They just need some encouragement right now. Would you and I be carriers of God's voice? Would we be attentive to his voice? Would we just still our hearts? Would we stop looking down this year? And not be attentive to just the temporal things, but being attentive to the eternal things, the voice of God. The second thing that Isaiah does here is that he makes himself available. God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And immediately his reply is, send me, I'm available. It's not a pause, it's not a, I'll get back to you, God. It's not a no. It's like, God, God if you want me to go, I'm here, I'm available. 
He's not coming up with all his shortcomings of his life or whether he's overqualified or unqualified. He's just literally saying, God, you know what? Whatever you want me to do this year, I'm putting my hand up saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be attentive to your voice. I'm going to hear your voice. And then I'm going to say, I'm available. The greatest moves of God in my life have been when I've simply said, God, I'm available. The most unexpected things have taken place. The most glorious things have taken place simply because you and I say I'm available to God. And the third thing that sets him up to go into the world around about him is he's agreeable. He says, here, Lord, here am I, send me. And God says, go tell those people, keep on hearing, but they don't understand. Keep on seeing, but they do not perceive. The only question he asks of God here is, is, is for how long, God? <laughs> is this year, in order to go out, would you and I just be agreeable to whatever God is? I, I love it here, is that Isaiah, he doesn't even know what the mission is. He just says, God, I'm available. Yeah. For me, I, so many times I've asked God, well, God, I'm available, but would you just let me know the mission and I'll let you know when I'm available to fulfill the mission. God can just give me the next steps of what it looks like, what I've got to outwork. And then I'll let you know whether I can do that or not. Is it Isaiah says, I'm available and I don't even care what the mission is. Whether it's too big for me or too small, it doesn't matter. Whatever the mission's going to be, the God, you're going to be there equipping me and enabling me to do that. Whether it's mowing the lawn for a next door neighbour in a time of trouble, God, God, I'm available to do that. Whether it's praying for someone that just needs a miracle in their life. Is we simply say, you know what, God, I'm available to do that. Before it even comes, God, whatever it is tomorrow morning, I'm just going to make my life available and see what pops up on Monday. Because when you and I make our lives available to God, He's going to flow through you. He's going to use you. And here, Isaiah sets himself up to go into the world around about him through three things. He says, I'm going to be attentive, I'm going to be available, I'm going to be agreeable to the voice of God. This year, no matter what you're going through, would you look up and see the glory of God? After looking up, would you look in and say, hey God, I, I need you to shake me. I, I just want to be a, a handful of clay in your hands that you can mold and you can shake this year. But I'm going to look completely different at the end of 23 to what I look like right now. And God, I'm going to be attentive. I'm going to be available. I'm going to be agreeable. Because there's a lost and broken, hurting world out there. And God's narrowed his ability to flow through you and I. He says, would you go? I believe in you. Or would you go into all the world? And would you make disciples? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.